was slain. Father, we thank you for your Lordship. We thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day. God, we pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that God, you would comfort us where we're weak, build us up where we're torn down, and speak to our hearts. Convict, convince, if need be, convert. Thank you for our male chorus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Church ought to be filled with exhilaration. Amen. And expectation. We should come to church expecting something. Isn't that right? Expecting our God to meet us where we are and to bless us. This morning we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. As we go back to the book of Corinthians, I came back from vacation and began with God's intrinsic goodness and mercy in our lowest states, and then glory over glitter. And now in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, your glory is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. This morning I want to challenge your hearts around the subject. A cry for correction will lead to comfort. Cry for correction will lead to comfort. And on the back end, we're going to talk about the power of returns. When we return to God, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn away from their wicked ways, then we'll hear from heaven. Amen. One of the strongest assertions of compromise and a lack of godly conviction is our attitudes of acceptance and self approval. It is essentially when we become <clears throat> lethargic that we get in trouble. When nothing bothers us. When our tolerance levels don't call us up with conviction. When we become lukewarm in our spiritual state, we're in danger. And these spiritual temperatures of tolerance begin because we are unbothered by sin, self, and our 
surroundings. This is when we become numb to God and kind of neutered in our guidance and neglectful in his greatness. We have abandoned the heat of the Holy Ghost. And one of the peculiar things that are happening today is that Satan has metaphorically put us to sleep with a sedative called apathy. We are apathetic about the things we ought to be concentrated on and we're concentrated on the things we ought to be apathetic about. Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the problem with this generation is that we have confused God's character with God's compassions. Our rights with God's righteousness. And in this age of permissiveness, promiscuity, and perversion in which we live, it is a generation which has turned order into disorder, wreck into ruin. And what makes this so devastating is that the church is silent. How shall they hear without a preacher? That the preacher's job is a watchman. His job is not to make you feel good. His job is to declare the word of God. And, 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 and so, so here in the um, fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, we come across a very serious problem in the church as a man is sexually involved with his stepmother. He's going to bed with his stepmother and... Um, Worse than the man is the attitude of the church. The church is lethargic, apathetic, don't care. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians and Paul begins to educate us on the demise and the, yeah, on, on the destruction and the destiny of this, listen to this, sinning, saint. This man was saved. Um, I'm going to deal with the text, but I want to lay other things out that Ananias and Sapphira was saved and the Holy Ghost killed him. Sinning saints cannot continue to practice sin. We all sin, don't we? We sin every day, thought, word, deed, motive, and attitude. We fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. If God should mark iniquities, who could stand? Outside of Christ, if God ever measured us according to our works, we'd be in hell. Can I get a witness? And so what the Apostle Paul does, and I want to kind of deal with the text so we can get to another level of this crying out to God, Paul begins in chapter 5, verse 1, and I'm just dealing with the text. 
He says, it is reported commonly. The word commonly denotes this is public knowledge. This is not judging people's motives. This is out public sin. Everybody knows about it. It is reported publicly that there is fornication, pointing is the Greek word, any type of ungodly um, lust and sexual impropriety. Fornication typically is sex outside of marriage among you, and such fornication is not so much named among the unsaved Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And that's the action. Paul says, here's the problem we got. Somebody in the congregation is laying up with their father's wife. And the church's attitude is lethargic. Nobody cares. But worse than the action, verse 2 is the attitude. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So Paul begins this dive into some real deep waters of a saint who sins. First, first John 5 says there is a sin that leads to death, that the unsaved can sin. It, it appears they're getting away with it. They're not. God's just adding it up. But once you profess Christ, you can't live in a practicing state of sin. Do I have a witness? Now, now, now Paul, Paul, Paul says, for, verse 3, For I verily, as absent in body, I'm not there with you, but I'm present in spirit, have already judged, krino is the Greek word for judge, K-R-I-N-O, I've already judged this situation. I'm not there, but I've already judged it as though I were there concerning him that have done this deed. Notice he's dealing with the deed. Let me deal with it since you won't. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, when you are gathered together and my spirit, which is with you, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, he moves from deed to deliverance, put the man out of the church, excommunicating, and there's a process in the Matthew 18 to do that. You don't hold a lynch meeting. And you better have two or three eyewitnesses. Um, to deliver such a one unto Satan. Because once we excommunicate this man because of an ongoing practicing sin, we are putting him in the hands of Satan. You lose your hedge when you're not in this local church. Not St. Matthew's, when you're not in a local church. That Satan would destroy his body. Now let's, oh, this thing is deep. We're going to give you over to the devil in your physical state so that your soul saved will be released in the day of judgment. Verse 5, are you with me? So he, he gives the man, he deals with the deed, he deals with the deliverance, 
But then verses 6 to 13 is the rebuke of the church. Your glorying is not good. Because a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. He's using his Old Testament metaphor of leaven, which always talks about sin. And he says, verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice, wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And then he says something very peculiar in verse 10. If you are saved, don't even keep company with somebody who's living in a living out of fellowship in a state of fornication. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you the scripture. Verse 11, don't even keep company with them. Yeah. Well, you my main swing. Well, you better find something else to swing on. <laughs> you, you better, yeah. Um, my God. My God. The context of this chapter leads us to look at sin in 3D. Now, sin by definition is missing the mark, shooting an arrow at a target and it falls short of the arrow. We all do that daily. We all have sinned and fallen what? Short of the glory of God. Amen? And, we, and see, we've never been taught the nature of sin because we're not in Bible teaching churches. Listen what David said. What David said in so many words, whether I sin or not, I'm a sinner. I was born into sin and shapen into iniquity. So for those of you that are super saints, if you, if you never committed a sin, you're still going to hell because by nature, you're a sinner. And you got folk up in the church believe they never sin. I want to sit all of them right up in, right, in fact, I'm going to sit them right on these steps. Because um, they're blind as a bat with sunglasses on. Here's what I believe Paul is getting at, and I want to deal with this. We want to be broken. We want to be empathetic. empathetic. We want to be loving. We want to be kind. We don't want to come after any particular group. We want to say, be not deceived. Don't think that a God of holiness who is so holy that the Bible says in the book of Psalms, he's got to humble himself to be in the presence of the angels. Now that's holy. Angels that never sinned. God said, I got to bring myself down. I got to humble myself just to be in their presence. God is so holy that the seraphims, Angels with six wings, two wings to cover their eyes because they can't look at him too long, two, things, two, two wings to cover, amen, uh, their feet because they can't walk, amen, where the Lord is, and two wings to fly away. Yeah. Those, those, those are seraphim, six-winged angels, and 
uh, the seraphims, all they do day and night is say, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. And God is so holy that while they're singing, they got to cover their eyes because he's too holy to look on. Am, am, am I talking to somebody this morning? See, we, we, we've been living in this world of unholiness so long that we have robbed the holiness of God. God is holy. Isn't he holy? He, he's, he's holy. Lord, have mercy. That means he's above everything. That means he needs nothing, but everything needs him. That, that means that he cannot come into the presence of sin. Do I have a witness? And the only reason you and I can come boldly to the throne of grace is because of Calvary. The only reason we can get in the same room with Jesus is because of the blood. Can I get a witness? His blood gives us entrance. His blood gives us permission. His blood lets us come into his presence. What shall wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What shall make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can I get a witness? And then and, and it's, here, it's here that we begin this journey. God sees, first of all, the outcry of all sin. Now, 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 now I'm going to make this as simplistic as possible. See, sin is deceptive. Sin will make you think you're doing the right thing when you're really doing the wrong thing. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. mm. Because of God's holy nature, all sin cries out to God. Mm. And, 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 and listen, I'm, I wonder, you can write these down, I want you to turn. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, now write that down because I'm going to kind of illustrate what I'm saying. Um, theologians believe that Adam's first two children were twins, Cain and Abel. And the reason they believe they were twins is because the word begotten is only used one time. And Adam and Eve begot Cain and Abel. If they weren't twins, it would have said Adam and Eve begot Cain, then Adam and Eve begot Abel. Are y'all getting this? And God comes along in the garden and says, um, Cain. And by the way, God had asked for an offering. Abel gave him an offering from the flock, which involved blood. And Cain gave God what he wanted God to have, just like some of us. Can I get a witness? Not a tithe. Here's a tip. You take it or leave it. He bought stuff from the ground, and the ground was cursed. So God accepted Abel's offering, but didn't accept Cain. And he went away wroth. That's what the Bible says. So God comes to Cain and says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now let me stop pausing part, because whenever God asks a question, he's already on top of it. Adam, where are you? 
Why are you hiding? Adam said, because I'm naked. Who told you was naked? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Come on, come on now, y'all can talk back to me. So Adam did just like we do. The woman you gave me made us do it. He passed the buck, didn't he? So God says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? And here, look, 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 look how angry he is. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, my God. Here's what God said to him next. Cain, your brother's blood is crying out of the ground to me. Crying out. Sin cries out to God. His blood is crying out to me. And now and I will curse you. When Moses came down to summit of Sinai, God said, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. And God said, I have heard the cries of my people. I've seen their affliction. And now I have come down to deliver them. Cry. Cry. In Exodus, in, in Genesis 18, I want you to turn there. In, ex, in, 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 uh, in Genesis 18, before they go into Sodom, chapter 19, God, which is a theophany, Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, takes on human form, and so do two angels. Three of them meet Abraham under the trees of Mamre. Are you with me? Come on now, we are Bible, we, we are a Bible teaching church. And, 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 and I want you to see what it says in verse uh, 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is grievous, very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the what? Cry of him. Sin cries out to God. Your sin cries out to God. My sin cries out to God. Sin cries out to God because he's holy. Jeremiah said, where the carcass is sin, the eagle will follow judgment. And you know, every time I think about the scripture, it brings tears to my eyes because when I was living in sin, God didn't wait till I got finished sinning. Uh, excuse me, the minute I started sinning, he sent the eagle out. And the eagle, which is judgment, was swooping down on me, getting ready to deal with me, and then grace called the eagle back. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Can I get a witness? That's why it's called amazing grace. Grace called the eagle back to glory, and God forgave me in Jesus Christ. Y'all ain't, ain't, ain't ready for this. I, I feel like, I mean, when I was laying up and getting high and drinking and running the streets, the eagle was coming down. Can I get a witness? But God, who's rich, any rich, he's rich in my 
call that he got, got, God said, Eagle, come on back. He's under the blood. Can I get a witness? And that eagle start coming back to God. Ah. Ah. Sin cries out to God. Now go to your right and turn to Leviticus 18. Here we go. Here we go. Because I don't want anybody on TV or here saying, that's pastor's opinion. When I'm up in this pulpit, I don't have an opinion. In Leviticus chapter 18, and Leviticus is how to approach a holy God. Five, off, five offerings you need before you can get into his presence. Can I get a witness? And in chapter 18, I want you to see this now. Hang in there with me. In verse 6, look what it says. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin. Stop. God says incest is a major sin. Incest. Near of kin. Hmm. And then God moves to verse 20. Moreover, thou shalt not be thou shalt not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife. That's adultery. Y'all getting quiet. I, I'm, I must be getting close to your sin. That's, that's a, see, 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 because I don't want people to say, well, he's just picking on this one group. No, picking on all groups. Are y'all getting this? Now, it, hang in there. Verse 22, thou shalt not lie with a mankind as with what? Same sex. God says it's an abomination. Is that in your Bible? Is it in your Bible? Forget what society is saying. Forget what the courts are saying. Forget what the magistrates are saying. God says it's an abomination. And the word of God is infallible. I know I'm preaching, baby. Thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. Thank you. You got to preach in season? Let me, let me tell you what in season is. That's when I preach a great message on suffering and God coming to get you and the promises of God are yay and amen and y'all shouting and running up and down the aisles. That's in season. But then you got to preach out of season. When they won't say amen. When they can't even look at you. You got to preach... You got to preach. You got to preach the word of God. Preach it when they like it. Preach it when they don't like it.
Now, I ain't finished. Look at verse 23. Neither shall thou lie with a beast. This is called bestiality. When, when, when a woman or man want to go to bed with an animal. I know some, some, somebody said, my God. You ain't get that far, did you? So I can understand fornication. I, I can understand those, but that's kind of out there, dog. You, 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 you. Jesus. That's when you got a dog or a cat for the wrong reason. Lord have mercy. That's 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 bestiality. Say 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 bestiality. That's how sick man can become. And I'm going to tell you in a in minute why they become that sick. Yeah. It's tight. It's tight. Now I'm going to tell you why they become that, listen, devalued, deviant, devolutional. Turn to Romans 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning of verse 18 to 32, deals with this devolution of sorts. Are you with me? And it, it starts out with, for the wrath of God is revealed. The word revealed is interesting because it's connected with Men's suppression of truth is when we get truth and intentionally hold it down. Mm. Listen to this. See, Jesus told the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes in John chapter 8, and then he, he turned to his disciples and said, If you, disciples, continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And as being my disciples, mimickers, you shall know the truth. Didn't he say that? And the truth will set you free. What sets us free is truth. Not Pastor Gordon, not St. Matthews, not Bishop Upright and Bishop Lowright. What sets us free is truth. When we are constantly being fed truth, it cleans up our minds and our hearts and our feet. Are y'all with me? So they hold down the truth indirectly through natural consequences as we violate God's universal moral laws, cries out to God. Directly, not indirectly, directly through our personal interactions, there are three different wraths in Romans 1, the first is the eschatological wrath, which is eternal hell waiting for us. Second is consequential wrath, where people are reaping and sowing the principle of the law of the harvest. The third is the worst, 
the wrath of abandonment where God begins to give you up and let you do what you want to do. He gives you up, up, and over to a reprobate mind so that you can start to do what you want to do. Now watch this now. And here's the, here's the, re look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even, the, even his eternal power and Godhood. So when I look at nature, I know there's a God. I'm without excuse. Can I get a witness? You, you and I know there's a God. You, every, every time you look at that sun, every, every time it takes shifts, you look at the moon, you look at the stars at night. Can I get a witness? The cow is mooing in the morning. How can a black cow eat green grass and give white milk? <clears throat> Only God can do stuff like that. We know there's a God. Nature tells us there's a God. Isn't that right? But look what he says. Because that when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain, empty in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fool. And here it is. They changed the glory of God into the incorruptible God, even beasts. Four-footed beasts, corruptible things. Wherefore, 24, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves and change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who's blessed for this cause, 26, God gave them up to what? vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one to another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of error which was meat and even 28 as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up, up, and over to a reprobate mind. Now, this is a process. This doesn't happen overnight. Our prayer of brokenness is that if you're struggling with any of this stuff, that you will get saved, you will pray and cry out for healing, you will ask God to come in and change the way you are. This is not about beating up any group. This is about preaching the word. Are y'all getting this? So, 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 so we see this outcry of sin, which leads to an outrage of sin. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 to your right and see... Their attitude was apathy and being puffed up. Let me, let me say something about tolerance, and, 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 and I said this this morning. If I take a frog and put it in a pot of water and turn the fire all the way up, that frog would leap out of that pot because it can detect the heat. But if I take that frog and put it in a pot of water and put it under slow-burning fire, 
the deception of the slowness will leave the frog in the pot until it's too late. Satan is cooking some of us and we don't even know it. But he's slow cooking us. He's not cooking us so fast that we can discern it. He's got mechanisms in our lives that he's just slowly tampering with. Knowing that down the line, we're going to be messed up. I want you to see, the Bible says that if we, 1 Corinthians 11, if we would judge ourselves, God wouldn't have to judge us. Isn't that something? I don't, I don't want you to turn it. I'm sorry. If we would judge ourselves, God wouldn't have to judge us. Hmm, interesting. If I would take stock of all the mess in my life and let that mirror the word of God be my reflection. See, the problem in the church is you keep measuring yourself against me. And I'm just as messed up as you. But when you get in that word, that word is your mirror. That's why James says, amen, James talks about looking in the mirror of the word, amen, and when you walk away from the mirror, you forget the reflection. Can I get a witness? You, you, you know how that mirror works in the morning. You get up and you get in that mirror because you're trying to make sure your hair's right, you know, your makeup, your lipstick, you're trying to make sure your shirt is on right, your blouse, your suit. The mirror helps you, listen to this, to make adjustments. And you need this word of God to make adjustments. You got to have this word. You can't be walking around here like one of these uh, uh, walking Bibles thinking you know everything. You got you to get in this word daily. And, and thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Can I get a witness? This word will show you what you really are. This, this word, this word, this word, this word will disturb your sleep. This, this word will mess up your day. This, this word, this word will make you pray when you don't feel like praying. This, this word will make you, yeah, call out to God when you're not ready to call out to God. This word will make you turn around if this word is in your life. You can't come up in here with no feeling. You got to have faith with fruit. People talking about, well, I got faith. I, I asked Jesus to come to my life and save me, and you're going right to hell. Because part of salvation is repentance. Do I have a witness? And repentance is metanoia in the Greek. It's to change your direction. It's to change your mindset. It's to change your heart. It's to change your walk. When you repent and receive Christ, God makes changes. I'm, 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 I'm saved, but you're still practicing sin. I'm saved, but you're still living in deviance, devolution. I'm saved, but you're still practicing. See, listen, there's a difference between willful and weakness. Weakness says I fell because I'm just weak. Willful said, I already made my mind up. I'm living this way. And see, folk are defiant, even in the church. 
Listen, listen, you know, in the church and out the church, this is the fine age. You know, who the pastor think he is? Well, God bless you too. This one's for you. You know, obey them to have the rule over you. For they watch for your soul. The person is not just anointed. The position is anointed. You're missing this. You're missing, you're missing what the Bible says. It doesn't mean I'm all right and you're all wrong. It means I'm the appointed and anointed leader. You follow me as I follow Christ. Can I get a witness? It, 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 it doesn't mean I have all the answers. I, I shouldn't listen to anybody. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it does mean is that there's a protocol. You can't be defiant about authority because your dad beat up your mommy, because your dad wasn't around, because your mother was full of hell. You can't come up in church with all that defiance. You can't do it. It's a defiant generation. He can't tell me how to live. He can't tell me how to give. He can't tell me who to forgive. Well, guess what? I'm not trying to tell you. You do what you want to do, but guess what? God will meet you where you are. We are, the world is defiant against Christ. We're at war. Perilous times will come. They're here. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. As Janus and Jamres, two magicians in Egypt, resisted Moses, so will they resist truth. You remember James and Jamre? If you didn't read in the Bible, you saw uh, Ten Commandments, DeMille. Caesar DeMille, you saw that. Moses won into Egypt with his rod, uh, told Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said, nope, not doing it. And God told him to use the rod. Moses threw his rod down. It became a serpent. So Janus and Jambri stood up and said, you ain't did nothing. They threw two rods down. They became serpents. See, Satan has power, doesn't he? But Moses, one serpent, ate up Egypt's two serpents to show that God had more power than Satan. See, Satan has some power, but my God has all power. Can I get a witness? Satan might work it in, but God will work it out. You gotta wait to the end to see what it will be. He's worthy. He's worthy. That's why Christians can't get all messed up when your prayers are not answered and get all messed up when God didn't move as quickly as you want him to move and get all messed up when things didn't get straightened out. You got to wait on him. But they that wait upon the Lord, he shall, I, I feel like preaching now, he shall renew your strength, your mount up with wings like eagles, you'll run and not get weary, and Jesus has the last say-so. He's got the last say-so. Doesn't he have the last say-so? He had the last say-so when you was in that car accident. He had the last say-so 
when your marriage was getting ready to come apart. He had the last say-so when your children got sick. He had the last say-so when you felt like giving up and going back into the world. He had the last say-so. He's worthy. And he worthy. Worthy. To be praised. Oh. We see the outcrying. We see the outrage. But finally we see the outcoming from sin. I call this the power of the return. Can I get a witness? I'm coming in for a landing now. This same man that was going to bed with his stepmother repented, turned his life around. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, now let him back in. Can I get a witness? You see, churches think, some churches think that they are a judgment council. You don't hang anybody up. Can I get a witness? I heard my Christ say in John 8, amen, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. Can I get a witness? You know the story. They caught the woman in the very act of adultery. And they said, Moses told us in the law to stone her. What do you say? He just stooped down and was writing on the amen in the dirt. And he stood up and said, now let him that is without, and in the Greek of specificity, this sin. All y'all done had her. Uh, let, 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 let him throw the first stone. And the Bible says the Vi Viagra crowd went out first. The old men start putting their stones down. Can I get a witness? I'm preaching up in this place. Then the young men put their stones down. And all of them left. And Jesus was there with that woman alone. And Jesus looked at the woman and said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Have no man accused thee? And she said, No man. Here it is. Lord. He said, Neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. God ain't asking you to come to church, get the word, and go right back out and sin all over. He said, go and sin no more. You've met the master. Now you've got power over pollution. Do I have a witness up in the house? And I'm so glad that the Lord cleaned me up. I'm so glad that the Lord turned me around. I'm so glad that the Lord planted my feet on solid ground. Uh-huh. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, don't turn. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Said Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these precious promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Now watch. The flesh is contamination and pollution. The spirit 
is exaltation and pride. Some of y'all, when I'm telling my stories about my life of sin, you looking at me like, I ain't never did all that. Because <laughs> I'm on this side of the ledger. See, I'm on the sin side. I'm on the pollution side. I'm on the contamination side. Can I get a witness? Yeah, but some of y'all on this side. You, you on the pride side. You on the self-exaltation side. You think you cute. You think your stuff don't stink. But God smells you all over the place. You full of hell and full of sin. And God knows where you came from. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterators, nor effeminate shall inherit the kingdom of God. You can't get in. But such were some of you. Can I get a witness? We were fornicators. We were adulterators. We were effeminate. We took drugs. We drank liquor. We played numbers. We lied. We went to jail. We cheated. Say yeah. But you've been watched. You've been watched. 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 In the blood. Say yeah. You've been watched. You've been watched. Greek word, Greek, Greek word, luo, you've been bathed. And once you're bathed, you don't need another bath. Once you're bathed, Jesus in John 13 washed their feet. Peter said, wash my whole body. He told Peter, no, I don't need to wash your body. You've already been luo, you've been bathed. But I'm washing your feet because every day as you walk, your feet get dirty. And as Christians, every day we walk, our feet get dirty, and we got to confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all uh -huh, unrighteousness. But the power of the return, when Jacob returned home, God blessed him. God took away his fears of Esau. When the prodigal son returned home, God put new sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, and they gave him a festivity party. Can I get a witness? When you and I come back and we turn around and return home to Jesus, God will throw a party. He'll bless you like you've never been blessed before. He'll give you joy like you never had before. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Your cup of joy will run over. Can I get a witness? But you gotta return home. Can I get a witness? There's power in returning to Jesus. Power, 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 power. When you come back to him, come unto me.
Once you get bathed, the reason you don't need to be bathed again because you got eternal life. You don't need to be born again. You need to be sanctified. You need to grow in grace. Can I get a witness? Aren't you just glad this morning that the Lord elected you? That the Lord pulled you out? That the Lord placed your feet on a solid rock? Aren't you glad this morning that grace, grace called the eagle back? Aren't you glad this morning that he cut off your sin? Aren't you glad this morning that he makes a way out of no way? He may not come with you running, but he's right on time. He's an Jesus. How many know y'all would have been in hell if the Lord did not enter your life? He's worthy. As every head is bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you want to be truly saved. Truly saved. Believe in Jesus as God's only begotten Son, died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. I want you to raise your hand right now. Be honest. God said, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You want to give your life to Christ. Raise your hands. They want. Just put your hand there. Come on, come on, baby. Come on, come on, sir. Or you want to come back to Christ, rededicate, rejoin, whatever. Put your hand there. Come on, come on. Praise Jesus. Come on, it's all right. Come on, baby. Come on, honey. Come on, baby. Don't worry about them. They might be going to hell. Come on. Is there another? Is there another? That's all right. We'll, we'll get you. Is there another? We love you. We praise God for you. We praise God for you. Worthy. 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 Bless the Lord. Come on, baby. Worthy is the Lamb. Is there another? Is there another? Ministers, God bless you. Thank you, dear, for coming. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Let's be seated, please. Listen, we'll do this quietly. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The baskets is on your, I believe, left hand. The flask. 